Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Philip DeVeet. When Phil was just 27 years old, a car accident let, left him paralyzed from the waist down. The doctors told him that less than 1% of people with injuries like his ever walk again, and they advised him to just accept his new situation. He was also told that he would never be able to have children with his lovely wife. Today, Philip has been walking for over 25 years, and he is the father of two children. He recorded his amazing journey in his book, Follow Your Heart, which is a testimony to the power of one's inner spirit. Philip, welcome. I'm so delighted to speak with you today. I am happy to be here, Marianne. Philip, Start by telling us about the car accident and what happened to you as a result. Well, you know, it was just like a normal day of me going to work, um, driving down the major interstate here in Seattle on I-5. Um, it was in January, and um, as I'm going down I-5, I'm getting ready to get off um, the exit to get to work. And when um, I changed lanes, I ran over black ice. My car went out of control, and my car was doing 360s over four lanes of I-5, hit the embankment, and then uh, my car went end over end and ejected me out of my closed sunroof. I wasn't wearing my seatbelt, and when I fell to the ground, I tried to get up, and I couldn't uh, feel anything. Wow. It's incredible that you survived that. What did the doctor... Yeah tell you what, what 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 happened when you got to the hospital well when i got to the hospital um the uh doctor after he looked at the x-ray said phil you know i've got some really bad news for you you broke your back you damaged your spinal cord and you'll never walk again and um you know i told him oh no i'm gonna walk again he says no phil you don't understand i've seen many of these types of situations before and less than one percent ever do <laughs> so, you know, I, so I had my back surgery, you know, two weeks, um, and two weeks after my back surgery, I died from a pulmonary embolism. So, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, it was incredible that I did survive. Say that again. Two weeks after your back surgery, you had a pulmonary embolism and what? And I died. So did you have a near-death experience at the time? You know, um, that's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Everyone asked me, did I have a near death? And I think, you know, um, and I always say jokingly because I just, you know, I just blacked out and, um, you know, I, and I tell people, yeah, you know, I saw fire and I knew that I wasn't in the right place. So I knew my life wasn't over. And I said, God, please get me back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so no, I really didn't have, um, you know, what they say, you know, I didn't see the tunnel or any of that. And yet, um, your mother actually was a very s spiritual woman. Um, what role did she play in your recovery? Well, you know, I think what my mom gave me as, um, you know, and, and my dad too, um, as, you know, is, you know, people that, you know, hey, you, you know, you're, when you go through things in your life, um, you got to be proud of what you do, and so I, and they taught me about pride and um, being good at what I do. And you know, my mother went through a back uh, situation growing, you know, when I was very young, and you know, she was taking pain pills and all that. 
you know, stuff. And, you know, that it just wasn't working out. She had a uh, back surgery. And then um, my mother went into um, yoga. So she started yoga. And, you know, with the meditation, the visualization, we had, she had a really good teacher who was a person that helped me later, which we'll probably cover, uh, Rob Mitchell, who was, who started the Academy of Yoga in Seattle. And so she kind of opened my um, eyes up, um, my senses to the idea about, um, you know, visualization, meditation. Um, and that stuff with her yoga actually helped her you know, where she didn't have as much pain. So I saw, you know, a lot of um, strength coming from what mom did. So that's what, you know, through her experience, I kind of um, opened my, like I said, my eyes up to this and accepted, hey, maybe this is a great possibility, but I never practiced any of this stuff growing up as a kid. But my mom's role was basically, you know, through her life experience, it taught me something um that, you know, hey, it was, you know, she was in pain a lot and it really helped. So that's what I saw. Now, when the doctor told you you would never walk again, what was your gut reaction? Well, you know, my gut reaction is that I would walk again. Um, you know, and this guy is telling me, no, Phil, you're not going to walk. And, you know, he would do these tests on the you know, check, you know, do the pinpricks on my legs. Just say, hey, can you feel this? Can you feel that, Phil? And I said, you know, no, um, I can't feel that. And he said, hey, can you work with your toes? You know, can you move anything? And, you know, I couldn't. I was passing all this test miserably. And this went on for about four weeks. And so, you know, we went through this process again in, in the routine. And then he said, so, Phil, and he always said, so what do you feel about your situation? I said, well, I, I know I'm going to walk. I just know I'm going to walk. And so this, at this one point, he asked me that question again after doing my routine. And I, he said, so what do you think? And I said, no, I'm going to walk. And then all of a sudden he closed the door on me. And he looked at me and he said, Phil, your family, friends are giving you false hope. I've seen this many times. You're not going to walk. And when you realize this in three months, I'm going to pick you up off the ground and I'm going to help you in your life. And I looked at him and I said, Doc, if that's the way you feel about it without giving me a chance, um, then you're fired. So I fired my doctor. Yay. And, you know, and, and so um, here I am that evening. I remember that evening very well. And here I have no doctor. Um, the doctors, you know, and with conventional medicine couldn't help me. I mean, there's no magic pill they could give me. And I was looking for that magic you know, pill desperately. And just thinking about all the stuff, just agonizing over this, um, I had a realization, and the realization was that, you know, I was looking for that magic pill in the wrong places. And I say that I could go all over this planet, look through every, you know, look under every rock, through every crack. And, you know, I was looking in all the wrong places because, you know, that magic pill was within me. And I didn't like what he said. I didn't like him telling me that he's putting me in, you know, putting basically the human being in a box and telling him this is the way it's going to be. I believe that, you know, um, that, hey, don't ever underestimate the power of the human soul, the human being. And it just gave me strength. Um, it, you know, it's just an amazing time that going through that, the, the, you know, the pits at that point, but it just made me really come together on that, that I understood at that time that if anything was going to happen, 
that I had to be fully engaged in my life to be a part of my healing to make it happen. And I didn't know how, but I just knew. Um, and that guy just helped solidify the idea that, hey, you know, I, and I guess it's because I don't like to be told what to do anyway. That's what my parents always told me. But, I mean, it just really helped me figure this whole thing out that I, for the first time in my life, that I can't rely on others. I have got to um, really engage in my life if this is going to happen and give it my best. That is such a profound lesson. And the whole system of healthcare, really the whole system of society is geared toward making you doubt yourself, making you listen to authority and particularly um, anybody with a white coat on. So uh, do, is, was it really just stubbornness or, or was there um, some wellspring that you suddenly were able to tap into that you could never find before? Well, you know, when I have this, I call it my epiphany, that um, going through all this suffering, and suffering really is a good thing in a way because it tells you that you're not in the right place. I knew I wasn't in the right place. Um, and um, so, you know, what I said is um, to my God or whatever, whoever our gods are, but to my, you know, my maker, I said to him, I don't like what's going on here. I don't like people telling me or telling anybody how it's going to be. And I said, you help me, please, get this out. Um, help me walk so I can get this story out. And then I had this little voice come back to me and go, but do you believe? And I said, yes, I do believe. And then the strength came, this realization was that, you know, everything in my life, going through my life, people tell me, and, and, and this is what's going on in, in all of, a lot of our lives, it's growing up and stuff. People are going to tell you, no, you can't do this. You have dreams and goals. You have your intuitions and whatever it is. But people want to take that away because they're, they don't understand it either. You know, um, I don't know what they, you know, people that say this have done in their life. But um, most people, you know, it, it, it's just a matter of, you know, following your, your intuition. A lot of us don't do that. Um, and so I just, you know, at that point said, you helped me through this, and um, all these cloaks came off of me. That's what I call them, cloaks. And my soul rose. It was an amazing feeling. My soul rose, and I got rid of everything, and I finally said, hey, I, I can do this. I know I can do this. I, I'm spiritually you know, feeling myself now. And um, as, I, as I told you before, I just, I just had a, a knowing that was going to happen, but I didn't know um, exactly how to do this, and then um, as Ralph Mitchell came back into my life, he was always kind of in, in my life, he was certainly in my mom's life, the guy that started the Academy of Yoga, and he sent me a tape. And this tape, um, he talked about um, the power of thought, visualization, meditation, um, imagery, seeing things taking place, um, affirmations, relaxation, and prayer. And um, on the other side of the tape, there was a meditation that he made for me. And I listened to this meditation for over three years. Um, and I did this three times a day. And so that was part of my process. And I call it being finally balanced mentally and physically because it gave me incredible strength. Um, and I knew my goal. I mean, my goal was I wanted to walk. 
Um, so, and I was emotionally attached to something. So I knew what I wanted to do, and this just gave me that strength um, that I needed to, to have to do my physical workouts with my therapists and with my incredible work, workouts in the gym. And, you know, being in line, it was, it's all about alignment. And that's what I cover in my book. One of my seven strengths that are in my book is alignment. Mm-hmm. And, that, and it was just, you know, it just, it just worked out. I never gave up. Um, the mental exercises, the processes, um, and, and the physical processes. I was determined, and I did it. And, I mean, that's, that's what I share in my book. I mean, I even made a tape for the patients. I was at UBEP for six months in rehab, and I even made a tape because I was so excited about my progress. So I was, you know, up on braces in six months, long leg braces, and, and that was a progression. Mm-hmm. But I gave, um, you know, people saw what was going on. The doctors that didn't believe all said started believing. Um, it was just an amazing process. They wanted to jump on the bandwagon because they saw the, uh, I guess, the drive and the, and the processes that um, we have to use mentally and physically. And I copied a tape, gave it to the patients um, when I went back to rehab, and some listened to it and some didn't. And, you know, the ones that listened to it gave it two, um, two or three days, and then they gave up on it. And, you know, hey, this is a commitment like anything, and you've really got to work at it. And, you know, everyone goes, well, Phil, isn't that kind of dangerous because what if it didn't happen? And I say to that that what's important here is that we do give it our best, that I did give it my best so that I could have no regrets, that I could walk away, I could look in the mirror and go, you know what, Phil? You gave it your best, um, and it just didn't work out. Fine, I could walk away, but I didn't. Was not going to allow in this time, during this time of my life someone taking my dream, my intuition away. Those are so important about us, and we need, need to try them, get them out, and do it our best. In your life before the accident, did you? Um, were you aware of the the kind of inner strength? that you were able to conjure up afterwards? You know, I, I always, the difference here was that I did have goals before, um, but they were not, I was not emotionally attached to it, and they weren't very, wasn't very clear until I was paralyzed and my legs were taken from me and the doctors were saying, no way, it's never going to happen. It was never that clear for me. Um, there were things that I wanted to do, but I could pass the buck um, and watch, you know, a movie, eat popcorn, and go, you know what, um, I'll just rest again today, and I'll get to it in two days, or whatever it was I wanted to do. But, you know, two days of time, and I go, oh, no, uh, I'm just happy right now. Um, you know, I'm relaxed, I'm living a comfortable life. Um, so, I mean, that was the difference. I mean, I had those goals, um, but I was not so um, emotionally attached to it that I was so focused mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens, what, what I find is that I had to be pushed up against the wall, you know, or back up against the wall, whatever we want to say, and that's when you really find out who you really are. And that's what, who I found out who I was, that I knew I didn't like my situation. 
and those things like suffering, um, uh, you know, pain and all, you know, those are stuff that, you know, we have in our life. And I just, I was so committed, as I said, that, you know what, there's no way anything was going to be taken from me. Um, I wanted to walk. Um, I wanted to show people or these doctors, you know, don't ever underestimate people. I wanted to walk on the beach with my wife. Um, they said I wasn't going to have kids. I wanted to have kids. You know, these are all things that, you know, when things are taken from you, you really want them. But it's, it's, it's the challenge, right? And what are you going to do with the challenge? I think that's, and, and that's what I did. I had this challenge, and it's what I did with it. And I had so much support um, with family and friends. And I always say the support I had, which is very important, was no different than those astronauts going up to the moon and coming back safely. I mean, sacrifice and vision. I mean, there's a process here. And being mentally involved in it and then physically taking action, having proper nutrition, um, it's a process. And it's all about being in line with what it is that you want. So, and that was the first time in my life that I wanted something so bad. And it happened from an experience that was so painful. But those are the things that give us the strength if we allow that to happen. Either we become the victim or we can really um, do something with it. And I chose to do something with it. Well, your story is just so inspiring. Uh for anyone wanting to do anything, um, clearly having your your legs taken away from you at the age of 27 would have been a major motivation. But um, I can see the, the implications for just about anything in life. Have you applied this same um, mindset to other projects? Uh, since your recovery of your ability to walk? You know, uh, yeah, I have, uh, you know, there's a, what, what I'm doing right now is I'm talking with, you know, to kids at driving schools. I'm talking to kids um, in elementary about, you know, safety because obviously, you know, I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. So I share that. But then I also share the, uh, story, my personal story, and letting everyone know that, you know what, you're going to find yourself all alone in your life where people aren't going to, maybe you feel like they're not supporting you or they're trying to take that dream away. And I always say, follow it. Follow your dream, follow your goal, and give it your best. Uh, because that's the important part is that we live our life, and this is our life. And, you know, you want to see things happen. You can do everything. You have all the tools that you need. Um, to make it happen, you have to believe in yourself, have that faith and belief in yourself to make things happen. So that's, um, you know, that's kind of what I share with the kids and, and the teens at driving school. Um, I also run a company that, um, you know, I, we sell insurance. We have close to 25 people in my company and, you know, we deal with sales. And I always share the story in hopes that you know, salespeople who want to create something in their life, um, you know, they say, well, I'd say, well, how's business going for you? And they go, well, the phones aren't ringing. And I go, well, what are you doing? What are you doing to make that phone ring? I mean, that's, that's the part that really is so important in our life is we've got to be 
we've got to add to that, whatever it is we want. We've got to actually be a part of our life and engage and not pass back on someone else. And, you know, if we need help, then we, we get help in, in knowledge and, um, you know, whatever the case may be, the challenge, you know. I mean, so, yes, I, I've applied this whole principle in my life. I find it interesting that you were so excited at your progress that you shared your tape and your your approach with your fellow patients in rehab, and yet virtually none of them followed this. Why do you think that was? Well, I think you have to be really open-minded to it. And, um, again, you know, in life we're, we're told so many things what we can't do and you know, and especially, you know, with the doctors, um, in, in my story, you know, the doctors who, you know, we always, um, I guess, honor. And, and, you, and don't get me wrong here when I say this. I mean, doctors are so important. If I didn't have good doctors, uh, you, you, I mean, maybe the story could have been different, too. But, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, people that maybe we perceive that, if they say, no, it's not going to happen, then we listen to them. We're not, you know, we're, we're really not living our life. And that's the thing that we have to decide. Are we going to live our life or are we going to let people, other people live our life for us? Hmm. So. What kind of affirmations were you telling yourself? Well, I was telling myself my affirmations that I am walking, I am running, I am playing basketball, um, just like I did before the accident. I mean, it's all in the present. Um, I mean, that's what I was saying, you know. And I would change it up. I'm walking on the beach with my wife. I feel the water um, on my toes, you know. And my uh, visualizations were always, like I said, that I am having it. I am experiencing that right now that I want. So, I mean, those were my affirmations. Tell us the kind of progression of how your body started having sensation again. How long did it take? What were the stages? Well, the stages were that it all started with my big toe moving. moving. Um, and that was the one time that I almost gave up. I was transferred from one hospital to the major rehab center here in Washington, at University of Washington. And the doctor, you know, doing his exam on me, well, you know, the first day that I was there, uh, he said, so he, I looked at my test, just like, you know, the other doctor gave me pinpricking here and there and asked me what position my toes in, you know, he'd move it or my leg and all that stuff. And, um, you know, and, and at that point I was just going, God, nothing's still working. And, and I said, God, maybe they're right, right? And he said, okay, Phil, I want you to move your big toe. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, almost what's the use? But I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it my best. And he said, move your big toe. And so I tried moving my big toe, and then he said, Phil, move your big toe again. And I said, what did you say? <laughs> and and I, he said, yeah. He said, man, you just moved your big toe. I'm like, oh, my God, this is great news. And um, it was kind of funny because my mother, you know, when the, my visitors come, she tells she tell everybody, hey, move your big toe for everybody. And I'm like, mom, I want more than that. I want more than my big toe. So 
it was a progression from my big toe doing it with biofeedback where you couldn't see any of my muscles moving at all in my leg. And my therapist said, you know, let's try this. And so she put these electrodes on me and she said, okay, Phil, which measures your pulses, right, or your electro, your, you know, your messages, um, trying to move your quads um, or your hip flexor or any of that stuff. So she put these little electronic nodes on me, and then she said, okay, I want you to uh, tighten up your quad. And you wouldn't see me. I was trying to tighten up my, you know, tighten up my quad, and, man, you'd see that graph on that meter go up. And we were all like, whoa. You know, you could, and then she tried on this part of my leg and that part, and you would just see the graph coming, going up, and she could make it harder for me by me exerting more energy to try to get those quads to go, and then it would go up higher. But, um, and so that's where it kind of started. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, you could see the muscles flickering, you know, and then it went from, um, you know, um, getting on long leg braces and then, you know, it was like I said, a progression. Then I would go to short leg braces and then from the long arm crutches to the one arm crutch to the, Walker to the two cane to the one cane, and this is all from my wheelchair, you know, coming from my wheelchair, and which is interesting enough. I, not to throw off anything here, but there was a gal in the hospital who she didn't have any insurance, and um, I gave her my wheelchair. And the doctors had a family conference and said, You know what, Phil? Why did you give him your wheelchair? You're going to need it. And I go, No, I'm not. <laughs> I said, No, I'm not. And I mean, that's how. Um, stubborn, I guess I was, if you might want to call it. Um, and um, so I gave her my wheelchair because I knew I was not going to, I was going to move forward. I wasn't going to go backwards. And that just, like I said, that was just an alignment for me. Uh, it just solidified the whole idea. Hey, I don't have a wheelchair, so what am I going to do? You know, so mm-hmm. um, so that that's what I did along with, as I said, is the power of thought and the meditation uh, visualizations. I mean, all that stuff. It's all important. It's all important. So it was a it was a progression. And let's not minimize the the very hard work that you put into to exercising. How how many hours a day did you uh, work on your body? I worked on my body about three to four hours a day, and I, and I always uh, feel like um, during the time you know Rocky movies were on the Stallone and. Um, that's what way my workout was. It was just like a rocky workout every day. Um, and I went down to the pool. Um, I was scraping, um, you know, um, my toes where they were bleeding. Um, but I was a man on a mission. And um, I just I just had to do this stuff. It was uh, pretty incredible. I, you know, I look back on, on this and um, I just go, wow, Phil, you just you really gave it your best. Tell me what your wife's role in all of this was. Well, my wife, um, and you know, I I really get emotional about this, but my wife um, was so strong. And, you know, I was her, and I would say this, her knight in shining armor, carrying her through the threshold. And when I had this accident, she had a knowing too. And she, um, she became my pillar of strength. She was my pillar of strength. And she was my knight in shining armor, carrying me through the threshold. I mean, she is 
just an incredible soul. Um, it was a true partnership. Uh, we went through some pretty crazy stuff um, that I cover in my book, um, you know, and um, she was a trooper, and we just didn't let it get, get us down. If I was down, she'd get me up. Um, I never saw her down. She was always high-spirited about this whole thing, and um, that that woman is, uh, there is a, a, a good person for me to, I mean, I admire her so much, and you know what, it's, it's, it was an awesome experience, um, and most people that have things like this happen in their life, because I've gone through a lot of workshops and stuff with spinal cord injuries, and you know, a lot of, a lot of the couples, if they just break up, because you know, they, they didn't get into this um, that way as far as one being, you know, um, paralyzed, like in my case. Um, you know, life changes, and but she stuck it out. Mm. She stuck it out. That's ama- She's an amazing woman. And, and you know, to have two kids is, is amazing. I mean, we, we both had Luana kids, you know, uh, because... I mean, that was such a challenge, um, and the doctor said it never happened, but it did. How did you feel when you first discovered she was pregnant? Well, you know, I gave it five years of incredible workout, and I knew that it was time for me to relax with the types of workouts that I was doing um, when... She came to me and goes, hey, guess what? And I go, what? She goes, hey, you know what? Um, We're having a baby. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, I said, wow, um, I'm just, my kind of my life changed a little bit, you know? I couldn't worry about because I still have trouble with trying to bend my toe and my right leg. I wear like a short uh, leg brace that kind of keeps my ankle at a certain degree, and I just said, I gave it my best, I'm done, um, and now it's time to move on with my next chapter, which is becoming a parent. Mm-hmm. So it's incredible. <laughs> so um, what do you think, uh, your, your kids are grown now, aren't they? I have a 12-year-old. And my, I have my 21-year-old who's just finishing up in college. What kind of legacy do you think this experience has given them, particularly the 21-year-old? Well, I think the, the legacy um, would be is, you know, don't ever give up. Hey, my dad did something incredible, something that um, I know I can do if I'm willing to work for it. Um, and, but really, give it my, you know, he really, I think that's the legacy to, is to believe in yourself, give it your best, and help people. I mean, that's why I wrote, you know, follow your heart. I really mm-hmm. wanted to help people, to give hope, inspiration, and to let people know just how important it is to engage in their life, to be a part of it, to make things happen in their life. And I think that's what they can take from this um, you know, mm-hmm. is that just open up to it and give it your best in whatever you want to do in your life, you know, yeah. and love people. 
I mean, love people. So, did did your attitude towards other people change during this the course of this? When you say love people, did you love them before? Do you love them more now? No, that that part's always been. I've always loved people. Um, I think where it's changed about me is is when um, people are not willing to give themselves a chance. Um, that kind of bothers me a little bit, but you know what? That means that they're just not ready in their life um, to maybe do what it is um, to make things happen in their life. You know, um, I just think that they, I think, I think it kind of bothers me, but to short sell yourself in your life and, you know, you should always give it your best. And I think that, that, um, because I love teamwork, um, that's what my company's built on, um, is that synergy. And I mean, that's to me is what makes the world go round is team, um, and working together to make things happen. And I think when people kind of, for whatever reasons there are, um, when they don't um, believe in themselves and they're just not doing anything and they're depressed and all that, that I think that kind of, I think there's a, an answer there that, and if they at least don't want to give it a try, I think, I think that's kind of where my frustration is in it because of my experience that I've had in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has your spirituality evolved through this experience? Well, my spirituality is that um, I, I think it's, you know, I realized, you know, what we have within us. Um, I've always had been spiritual um, in the, the sense that I know that we can do it, that there's, um, you know, as you saw with my experience, um, and I think what's evolved in it is understanding the, really the importance of the power of thought and um, being in line with, you know, with whatever it is, because you, you really tap into the, um, the God energies or whatever anybody wants to say about that, um, but we really tap into those energies if, if we allow them. And, and that's, I think, the involvement is that um, I've, I've really, you know, done some, you know, spent a lot of time in this and, um, you know, some, some great things, incredible. It's been an incredible journey with an incredible outcome. And I think that's kind of what's evolved in this is that, Man, I finally could say that I did give it my best, and look what happens. Look what happens when um, I did give it my best. And I think, and it's all about tapping into the spiritual things about those energies that we have within us um, that are intangibles. You know, we talk about the powers of faith, belief, willpower, determination. Um, you know, flexibility, patience, I mean, those types of things that are within us that, that people always say, you know, um, you know, that you hear about all the time. And, man, it's just, it's, it, it, it definitely, so, so regarding my journey, yeah, that, it, that's where my spirituality, I just saw some great, you know, outcomes in it, and it's from really giving it uh, my best and really having a great process. Mm-hmm. 
you speak to a lot of students, um, particularly about uh, safe driving, um, but also about believing in themselves. Um, are you seeing any uh, greater openness uh, to these kind of ideas now than uh, have you seen a progression over the course of the years that you've been doing this? With what now? With with, with the with students. Kids. With the kids, you know, I think what the, the kids really um, enjoy about this whole experience is that it was an experience. They, you know, I have so much great feedback, um, you know, and uh, what the kids say, God, you know, people talk to me, but, you know, you, this is really awesome. Um, I just, you really have inspired me because you've gone through it. And um, I think that's kind of, you know, what I get out of it is that it, it, they know it's coming from my heart. Um, and um, and I think that when people can really see the passion of each other um, and it's genuine um, and they have gone through something that they can share with somebody, I'm not taking any away from authors that haven't experienced it because there's some great insight that we learn um, as well without having to go through something like what I went through. But um, I think that's, what kids, that's what the real essence of this is, is how, you know, what they're feeling and what the message is and what they're seeing, and they're seeing it from a guy that that, that has done it, you know, that went through this process. So I don't see really any difference in that, um, in, in a difference about the spirituality part of the, or the believing in what the, the kids believe in. Um, you know, what they're doing is they're seeing, like I said, the experience um, from someone that's gone through it, and that's what they're really feeling, and and, and I think that's what really helps. Mm -hmm. I really do. Mm -hmm. We're just examples for each other, and and that's what I feel about that. So, What's your son studying at university? Uh, I have two daughters. Oh, daughters. Mm -hmm. Yes. Elizabeth is studying anthropology and that's her major, and then uh, minors in economics. Hmm. Very interesting. And then, right, and then my 12-year-old is, um, you know, not surprising that she's in leadership there, and she helps stop fights, um, says, hey, you know, don't pick on that person. That's not cool. You know, I mean, she is um, a champion, I guess, of you know, wanting people to get along, and um, she's a cheerleader. Um, she's, you know, um, she's a she's a great little heart, just like my oldest daughter, um, Elizabeth. Um, so, I mean, and I don't know what uh, Juliet's always said that she wants to become the CEO of uh, my company, and she works in there and give pins to the agents and stuff, and then Elizabeth really wants to go and see the world. She wants to um, be with, uh, uh, work for an airline and go experience the world. So I, I think that's great. She's a free spirit in that regard. So at this time of year, do you have a message that you want to leave with our listeners? Well, you know, the, really the message 
that I want to leave with um, people is really to, you know, think about what it is that you want to do in your life, have a clear goal, and don't let anybody take your dreams away from you. Um, work at them, give it your best. Um, and, um, you know, love yourself. And, um, you know, just understand also that, hey, if you're not, if you're feeling pain and suffering, that it's okay because that's exactly what's going to help you get out of your situation. Um, and I always say that um, a lot of people, you know, with the pain and suffering, they they feel the victim of why this is happening to me. You know, it's like um, there, there was a saying that saying that is that, um, life is supposed to be a bowl of cherries, but why do I get all the pits? And, and I always say, and I always say, well, the pits are what grow trees, so you can get more cherries. Uh-huh. You know, so, so, um, you know, um, I just hope everybody wants to read Follow Your Heart. Um, it's a, it's a great book. Um, there's a lot of insight from someone that's actually experienced this. Um, and you can go to my website, which is follow dash your dash heart dot us um and you could read about my story um and the things that i've been doing um i've been on uh some tv and radio and like what i'm doing today and i just like i like spreading the news i just really like spreading it because we all have it within us um and we just gotta work at it and see that you know work at it in mentally and physically and you'll just be, um, you know, just in wonderment about the strengths that we have within us. It's just amazing if we're willing to open up to them and work them out. Well, Philip, I'm my message. absolutely in awe of what you've accomplished and also of the importance of the messages that you're conveying. So I want to thank you very much for being with us. We've been speaking with Philip DeVeet, the author of Follow Your Heart. His website is follow-your-heart.us. Philip, thank you again. Thank you very much, and Merry Christmas to everybody. You can find Phil's book on our website, ncreview.com. And Phil is one of the luminaries on luminaryvoices.com. So if you want to invite him to speak... Go to our website and you'll see all the details there. That's on the Transformational Speakers Bureau website, www.luminaryvoices.com. And now a special treat to get us into the mood for the holiday season from the dynamic Gina Citoli. It's her version of a Christmas story. Christmas Day was upon us again, and Santa was shaking his head. As he watched the news, all he wanted to do was hide and go back to bed. As usual, the world was calling a truce, but only for one single day. Folks would put down their guns and lots of nice things, everyone would say. It used to be enough to balance all of the bad words and fear. It used to be so wonderful there was love for all the rest of the year. As Santa spoke to Mrs. Claus, he said, I just don't understand. What has happened that has brought this gloom and ill will across this land? Children once had dreams of rainbows, sugar plums, magic, and fun. 
Now the world is full of pollution, rage, and way too many guns. With a sadness in his heart, Santa kissed Mrs. Claus and went to get some rest, for tomorrow was Christmas Eve and he needed to be at his very best. In his dreams there was something afoot, mysterious and strange. It was not Christmas as usual. Things were about to change. He woke up with a start, rubbed the sleep from his eyes, and his clock said it was time to go. He had to get in the mood, be jolly St. Nick, so he yelled out a hearty, Ho, ho, ho! Santa put on his garb and went to the stables to gather his team of reindeer. But Dasher, Dancer, and Prancer looked ill. Vixen and Blitzen were huddled in fear. Comet, Cupid, and Donner were befuddled and running around in a tizzy. And to Santa's dismay and horror, Rudolph was frantic, confused, and dizzy. What was he going to do? There were presents galore to deliver. Children waking up to nothing under the tree made him shake and shiver. He thought to himself for a moment, and he knew to the occasion he must rise. He had to give the reindeer a pep talk. He must sound assured and wise. All right, he said. There is only one way to get up into the air and flying. Think happy thoughts of peace and joy. For the sake of Christmas, we have to keep trying. The reindeer agreed they would do their best to raise their energy. They would get those gifts delivered under each and every tree. So they packed up the sleigh and were ready to go, but they could not get off the ground. The energy was still too fearful, so Santa yelled, Come on, make a joyful sound. The reindeer started singing of a world that could heal and mend. Then someday Christmas would never have to end. The song did the trick. They were in the sky and off upon their enterprise. But it didn't take long when not even the song could keep out the negativity and lies. They started descending and fell to the earth, landing in a place that was way out of the way. With tears in their eyes and hearts about to break, all they could do was pray. Suddenly there were lights coming from the forest that seemed to go on forever. Elves and fairies, humans and beasts, hand to hand all gathered together. We're the keepers of magic and love, and it's almost gone as you can see. That is why you can no longer fly, why peace is unable to be. They told Santa he must find a way as time was running out. You have to get the word to all. Go tell the world what this is really about. It's time the vibration of love is reached, each person becoming the peace that they seek. So quickly, we will give you all of our love and magic. This is not an impossible feat. So Santa looked at Rudolph, and Rudolph nodded his head. I may not be able to fly, but I'll carry you on my back instead. So off into the night they went, seeking a place where the word could quicken. They saw a star shining bright in the sky. There was magic afoot. They felt the air thicken. They followed the star, and soon they could see children gathered around a Christmas tree. As they got closer, voices rang. A song about Christmas never ending is what the children sang. He could see in their eyes and upon their faces that the children already knew. They had been waiting for Santa and Rudolph, and every child knew exactly what to do. All of the children jumped into action with glee, unveiling cameras and gear. We're going to broadcast you around the world for everyone to hear. Santa was set and the children were ready. The screen came up and they were on the air. He cleared his throat and began to speak with words that were filled with love and care. The world has been taken over by fear and my reindeer can no longer fly. 
All the lies and anger, greed and hate makes me just want to sit down and cry. Christmas has always been a time of hope, love, magic and peace. If something isn't done right now, Christmas Day could cease. Reach for love, treat each other gently, and become the peace you seek. It's all inside of you with every thought and word you speak. See the world as beautiful. See each person with love in your heart. See the guns being put away for good, peace breaking out in a brand new start. Envision every single child, tummies full and safely in their beds, with dreams of growing up in peace, dancing in their heads. As Santa spoke, these words, they traveled around the globe. Peace and love started catching on the more the story was told. The rest of the reindeer caught up with Santa and were all magically back in the sky. Christmas Day was saved and Santa was flying high. Then in awe, Santa could see a host of angels around his sled. The angels began singing, and this is what they said. A truce is called on Christmas Day. It's time to put the guns away. Someday soon the word will spread and Christmas Day will never Hark the herald, angels sing, glorious news. 
That was a Christmas story by the fabulous Gina Citoli. Her song, It All Comes Down to Love, won an award as the best rock ballad in the Hollywood Spiritual Film and Entertainment Festival. And another song, These Are the Days, made number six on the Reverb Nation charts. Gina offers an array of dynamic and thought-provoking shows, including an amazing one-woman musical called A Cabaret of Consciousness. She is one of the talented performers who have joined together in luminaryvoices.com to offer their gifts to the world. Gina's own website is ginacitoli.net. That's G-I-N-A-C-I-T-O-L-I dot net. Well, that kind of wraps up our show for today. Our guest next week is Dr. Nadine Artemis, a holistic dentist whose book on holistic dentistry will open your eyes. It certainly did mine. Well, if you're looking for more inspiration or even gift ideas, check out the great books and films on our website, ncreview.com. I hope you'll stay in touch by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ncreview. And if you enjoyed our show, I hope you'll tell your friends. So that's it. I can only wish you the very happiest of holidays. And until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. You've been listening to NCR Radio. If you missed any of Miriam's shows, you can find them on demand any day and time on her show page. You can also download podcasts to your iPhone and take these inspiring shows with you wherever and whenever you like. If you have a question or comment for Miriam, you can follow her on Facebook at facebook.com slash ncrreview. That's facebook.com slash ncrreview. Be sure and join us next week for more passionate and exciting guests on NCR Radio.